0: it is good to be here with you. Uh, I don't usually get this opportunity, uh, but I look forward to it when I do. Uh, When Kenny and Lynn are are away or on vacation, certainly want to remember them, and Mark's going to be leaving out uh, directly after the service to to be with his family, Mitzi, and their family up in Indiana. So certainly want to remember them. Uh, Listen, I'm going to honor your time today. I hope that you uh, will honor my time and the time that uh, God gave me to prepare uh, what He's laid on my heart. Um, this is something that that I've been chewing on for the last couple of weeks. Um, didn't really anticipate uh, that this was coming, uh, but then when Kenny asked several weeks ago this is uh, this is where I was. this is what I was studying and uh, walking through and and I feel like it it's definitely something that we can all apply. Uh, So I did a little favor for you, right? Uh, I like to write and I like to take notes as I read and I study. So you have in front of you, uh, I think it's on the backside of the AM uh, music that we sang this morning. uh, I have given you my notes so you know exactly where we're going and what we're going to be talking about, all right? So let me just go ahead and tell you, for those of you that are going to go ahead of me and fill in the blanks, because I know there are some of you that are going to do that. You'll figure it out, all right? But we're going to walk through this together, uh, verse by verse, and begin to unpack um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm really excited about uh, what we have in front of us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So here's what I want to do first, okay? I've got a couple of questions. If you want to write them down, you can. You don't have to. They're really rhetorical questions for you. Uh, listen, you guys know me, you know the line of work that I'm in. I work with coaches and athletes every single day, all right? So. That tells you right there, I'm in the mindset of a coach or an athlete all the time. Because that's who I'm in front of. That's who I'm around daily. So this message is going to seem like or be geared towards coaches and athletes, but I'm going to tell you something. Since I've been working with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, I have realized one thing more than anything, and that is ministers, pastors, ministry leaders have more in common with coaches than any other profession think about that for a second you have a team of people whether it is 5 or 40 or 80 or 115 as a minister you have a church right of 5, 20, 40 or whatever right and your task is to what lead them right It is to teach them the X's and O's not just of the game of life or the sport but it's to lead them. I'm telling you this is something that I have come to realize over the last four years with FCA is that that we as as a pastor um, we have more in common with coaches than we really realize. Because every day they go home and and they're either on the highest of highs or the lowest of lows. Because they have people calling. They have players that let them down and disappoint them. They make calls that they might second guess. And do you know pastors face the same pressure every single day? In some way, shape, or form they face the same things. So here are the the questions that I have for you this morning. Have you ever played for a coach that truly cared about you? Have you ever played for a coach that truly cared about you? I'm not talking about looking at the scoreboard. I'm not talking about breaking film down in a film room. Or from a pastor's standpoint that just came and showed up on Wednesdays and Sundays and preached. But they got in the trenches with you. They were elbow deep in whatever you were involved in, whatever life was throwing at you, and they led you. They loved you. Have you ever played for a coach like that? Have you ever had a teammate that picked you up? Have had a teammate that when you were just spent, physically, mentally, uh, uh, psychologically, whatever, you just could not go any farther and you had a teammate step in and help you. They didn't take over, but they just came alongside you and picked you up. You ever had a teammate like that? I think that's where First Thessalonians is, in my mind, I see the church of Thessalonica as a team. And I see their coach as Paul. You see, the church during that time was facing much of what you and I are facing today as Christians. And Paul has simply come in as, as he has... Uh, been leading that church and, and mentoring that church and, and 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 loving on that church at that time when he, at the time when he's writing this he's not around, but he's writing this as an encouragement to them. It's basically have you guys ever seen Remember the Titans? Seen that movie? Well, there, there's a scene uh, late in the movie where they're out on the field and they're playing this team and they're playing a legendary coach. If I'm not mistaken, it's an all white team. And the referees are, are making some bad calls. I mean, they're blatantly bad. And, and Coach Yost, the defensive coordinator, walks out to the referee, and they exchange some words, and he puts the fear of God in him, and he calls his team over to the sideline. And he tells them, hey, listen, I don't want any excuses. But here's what he says. He says, I want you guys to make sure that they remember the night they played the Titans. Well, that gives me chills. Like I have no hair right here, but I can feel chills on my head. I love that scene. I love getting to do what I get to do because I get to show videos like that to teams and to coaches to motivate them. But to also show them, listen, if there's one thing that I've learned in this life more than anything, it's the fact that I cannot do life alone. Just like you can't play a sport on your own. It takes practice. It takes somebody coaching you. It takes somebody loving you. And the good and the bad. And with everything that is going on in the life, in the church of Thessalonica, Paul steps in. It's almost like he rallies the troops and he calls them into the huddle and he says, hey, come here. Come here. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, as he's writing his, his final words to them in the first letter, he's calling them in and he's saying, hey, hey, I need you to remember this. I'm not saying put aside... Chapters 1 through 4. And the first part of chapter 5. But here is what I want you to remember. Because if you do this well, guess what? They'll remember that you were a part of one team. You were a part of one movement, one team. And that's Team Jesus. And ultimately, at the end of the day... When it's, all, when it's all said and done, guess what's going to matter? Whose team are you on? Have you formed your own little team? Your own little posse doing things your own little way? Are you a part of Team Jesus? So here we go. First couple of verses. Look at verse 12. It says, and we urge you, we challenge you, we encourage you. Brothers, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord to admonish you. Watch this in verse 13. And to esteem them very highly. In other words, hold them up. Thank them. That needs to be a high priority on our list. in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourself. And that drives me to our first question on this sheet. Who have you thanked like, lately for working hard on your behalf? I'm going to tell you something. In your life, there have been a lot of people that went through a lot of things so that you can be where you're at today, young or old. I'm sitting here at 31 years old and I can look back on my life and I can see just dozens and dozens of people who have done things for me without me even knowing it. And because they did that, I am where I'm at today in my life. But how often do I let the things and the busyness and and the craziness of life get in the way and cause me to forget about that? Listen, this week alone has been one of those weeks. Y'all have had those weeks, right? You've had those weeks, right? Where Monday comes and you wish it was Saturday already. Yeah? (laughs) Me? I'm not kidding. I'm not going to air my dirty laundry out to you, All right, But I am going to tell you, every day that went by, I wished the next day would come, and then it finally got to the point where I went, God, please don't let tomorrow come. Because I have no idea what's going to go wrong. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. There was a moment Friday. It was about 3.30. I sat in the barber chair and I went, okay, don't tell I got my hair cut, right? (laughs) But I sat in the barber chair and I went, finally, nothing's going to go, I mean, nobody's going to bother me. And I can just listen to the old men shoot the bull, right? And my phone vibrates. Kidding me, right? I, I, that was one of those weeks for me. But yesterday, listen, I'm telling you. Yesterday, we were serving hamburgers at the car show for the Apple Festival. And That was one of those moments where God was showing me, Hey, Mac, think about all the people. All the people. The ones that were there helping. And I see you guys sitting out in the crowd. And the ones that brought things by early on in the week or maybe yesterday morning and we were able to do what we did yesterday for three or four hours simply because you made it possible. That means something to me. And I'll probably never thank you enough for what you do for me and allowing me to do the job that I do but I want you to know I appreciate you. Listen, if you don't hear anything else that I say this morning, I want you to come up with one person in your life. Maybe they're in this room, maybe they're not. But I want you to write down that one person's name and say, you know what? I haven't thanked them in a long time. But I know that I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it were not for them. That's what Paul is telling them to do. Listen, don't ignore it. Don't don't let the busyness and the craziness of life keep you from thanking the people that you should be thanking. Because you're arrogant to think that you could get there without them. Thank them. Don't let it go unnoticed. So then he goes on to verse 14 and 15. We're going to continue to walk down through this. Now we exhort you, brethren. We're challenging you. We're putting this in front of you so that you can do something about this. We exhort you. Warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. And be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. But always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. So here's the big fill-in-the-blanks here. And they're all the same. There's a time and a place to warn. There's a time and a place to encourage. There's a time and a place to help. But guess what? With everyone, we're to be patient. I just lost everybody, didn't I? I just lost you. Some of those are easier said than done, right? But be patient always. Man, that's tough. That's hard to do. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you go back to Psalm chapter 1, and you go to John 15, and you you read in, in Psalm chapter 1, it's important for us to be planted, to be rooted by the river, Right? To be rooted by the spring. Who is the spring? Same thing in John chapter 15. It talks about the importance of us being connected to what? The vine. Because without that connectivity, we're dead. We're useless. We're fruitless. And in all of these situations, listen... Sometimes it's easy to warn people. Hey, you're, you're in the wrong, right? You had teammates. I mean, you had to call out a lot. Hey, you need, you need to pick it up. You need to do your job better. It's easy to encourage people sometimes. Sometimes it's not. I don't know about you, but you may have people that are constantly asking you for help. They're needing something. They're wanting something. And they just take, they take, they take, they take. And the Bible says that in all of these situations, we're to be patient. We're to be patient with all. To make sure that we don't trade evil for evil. But in every situation, we look for the good. For both parties. Just a couple of scripture references. If you want to write them down, you can go back and look at them later. First Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And Romans 12, 17. Both of these guys, one is the same, Romans and 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, Listen, you cannot, you cannot return evil for evil. You need to look for the good for both parties involved. And then In 16, 17, and 18, he says this, Rejoice always, verse 17, Pray without ceasing, verse 18, In everything give thanks. We'll pick up the last part of verse 18 as we close. But rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything. Again, we've got to stay rooted. How How do we rejoice always? Let me tell you something. I can tell you one way to to be prevented from rejoicing always, and that's surrounding yourself with negativity. That's uh, surrounding yourself with people that are constantly negative. They hate their life, they hate their job, they hate everything about them personally, and guess what? They unload it on you. Yeah, we still have to be patient. Remember, you can't forget, verse 15 and 16, we have to be patient. But don't surround yourself with people like that. I love being around people that are happy, that are confident, and that are full of joy. But I think the reason why they're able to be that way is they're constantly rooted in Christ. And they're attached to the proper vine. So guess what? Their life is overflowing with joy. Is it possible? Yeah. If we stay rooted and connected. Pray constantly. Here's a little baseball reference to you. Coaches will sometimes tell their pitchers, hey, I want you to stay ahead in the count early and often. Early and often. You get ahead in the count early and often. Pray constantly that mean that we're, we're supposed to be in a constant physical state of prayer on our knees, head bows, or, or chest down, face down to the ground, constantly praying daily? I don't think that's necessarily what Paul is talking about here. I think he's talking about a heart of prayer. That through our lives, we're constantly showing God our complete dependence on Him. That is constant prayer. That every single day, everything that we're walking through and going through in life, we're in a constant state of prayer. It's not a get up at 5 a.m. and we have a five minute prayer and then when we hit the, when we hit the pillow at 10, 10 p.m. Uh, we have another prayer. No, it's a constant act of prayer and communication with God. And we're showing our utter dependence. On him, and then give thanks in everything. I'm telling you again, guys. This is a church that was being just persecuted to no end by the outside world. They were they were living in the week that I just described daily. And amidst that, Paul steps in and says, Hey guys, hey, rejoice in everything. How in the world can you do that? Is that even possible? Well, you go back to the first two. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Guess what? You can give thanks in everything. If you do those two things well. So, here's how I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to honor your time. How will you apply God's Word to your life this week? Listen, I found, uh, did a little research a couple of weeks ago as I was preparing for a a team Bible study that I was going to do. and um, I had this team uh, above their locker. I gave them a business card that I printed out, and it was blank. And I asked them to write down their goal for the entire year. They're in the off-season right now. But even in the off-season, for the entire year, what is your goal? What's that going to look like for you? One word, one sentence, one statement, whatever it might be. What's your goal? And I found as I was I was preparing for that that, that, that there's some studies out there that say that if you write down a goal, if you have a goal, and I'm not talking about just your New Year's resolution goal. I'm just saying a goal in general. If you write that goal down, you are 60% more likely to complete that goal than if you didn't write it down at all. Now, that might not mean anything to you. It meant a lot to me because that's the way I'm wired. If it's not written down, it doesn't happen. I promise you, it does not happen. If you send me a text and I don't respond immediately, it's because I don't have time and and I will, but if I open that text, I'll completely forget about it. Same with a voicemail. But if I write down a goal, I'm going to complete that goal. So this week, as you begin to, to flesh this out in First Thessalonians chapter five, what's your goal? Maybe it's rejoicing in everything or rejoicing always or praying constantly. Maybe your goal is to find that one individual that's done something for you behind the scenes that you haven't thanked. But what is your goal this week? What is it? And don't just mentally make a note, hey, I need to do this. I want you to write it down because if you write it down, you're more likely to complete that goal because you have something in front of you that you'll keep in front of you every day. Why? But what is the point? There might have been some in the in the, the, the church in Thessalonica that thought the same thing. Paul, what's, what's the point? We're under constant persecution and pressure from the outside world. What is the point in all of this? And watch what he says, the last part of verse 18. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And this is what we'll end with at the very bottom of the sheet that I gave you. Because it is God's will for you in Christ Jesus as a follower of Christ, you are to portray every situation and every encounter with others and behind closed doors with the mind of Christ. Listen. That is the perfect team. That is Team Jesus. That in every situation and every encounter whether in public or behind closed doors we have one mindset and that one mindset is Christ Jesus listen if we all get on that bandwagon and we all head in the right direction together and proclaiming Team Jesus. We'll take this city, we'll take this county, by a firestorm. That's what I want to see happen. I'm not going to bail on my team. I'm not going to talk tail and run. Things easy? No, they're not. Why? because we're progressing we're moving forward and guess what Satan is ticked off and what he wants you to do is tuck tail and run what Jesus wants you to do is he wants you to look Satan in the eye and say hey I want you to remember the day I want you to remember the day when Jesus hung on the cross for my sins and he'll tuck tail and run that's my challenge to you this morning. Listen, I love every one of you. I want to see us move forward. I want to see us link arms and walk through this life together and make an impact in this community like this community's never seen before. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge that lies within it. And God, I trust that in in your way that you've spoken to each and every heart and in some way you've impressed something upon them that that they will apply this week and they will be challenged by this week. Lord, I pray it would make a difference not just in their lives but in the lives of those they come in contact with. During this moment of, of reflection as we sing I pray that you would just do the work that you need to do. If there's brokenness, needs mending, pray that you would do it. If salvation, I pray that that individual wouldn't be able to contain themselves. Whatever it might be, God, we as a church want to move forward and we want to be a part and we want to be known as Team Jesus. Pray this in Christ's name.